Welcome to the Lean Braves Radio Show. And I have the honor and privilege today of being here in Bakersfield, California with Bob Covey, who is actually my coach at Bakersfield College in cross country and track. And Mr. Covey has a rich history in USA track and field, Olympic development, and coaching collegiately and working with high school athletes. And he came from a, uh, a legendary track father in Iowa. So welcome to the radio show today, Coach. Thank you, Ron. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. And I, I'm excited to, you know, a lot of people follow me for the history. And I know one of the things that I was explaining to Ronnie on the way down today is that you helped instill a, a sense of history in me when I was running for you. And you talked about ancient Greece and the the history running and traditions and decorum. And we traveled a certain way with a certain uh, honor to us at, to be from BC's program. So... Thanks for doing that. You're welcome. And it's something I thought was very important for young people to be able to uh, learn something about the sport and uh, some of the history of the sport. And uh, I knew much more then at my age. Now at 79, I am probably I can't answer the same questions I used to be able to answer very easily, but uh, I'll do the best I can. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about the history running overall, and then one of the things you talked to us about then, and you still talk about, is ancient Greece and where the whole uh, tradition of running came from and the Olympic development part. And But before we get into that, you actually came from a, a, a track and running history with your father in Iowa, from Ames, Iowa? Yes, he, uh, he actually coached at four different high schools in Iowa, but his last one he coached uh, for, as I recall, uh, 21 years at Ames High School. Mm-hmm. And then he died suddenly of a stroke uh, uh, at a younger age than he should have at age 70. Mm-hmm. Um, but he uh, had a very great deep interest in uh, in the values of running and fitness. And, uh, of course, he coached, I say, of course, uh, in high school athletics. If you're a coach, you coach usually more than one sport. Right. He, he didn't ever coach cross country because he was tied up with football in the fall. He coached basketball in the winter, and then he coached track in the spring. And um, he, he had some, I'd say, better-than-average success because of his uh, interest in in the the betterment of athletes and in in how they develop and learning how to do the right things and warming up and, and warming down and, and learning how to compete effectively. And, uh, uh, and he was very much into uh, making certain – that an athlete didn't go off and do something stupid. Mm-hmm. So he, he he actually put a lot of glue in their minds, I think, about this is the right way to do things. And that lives on um, historically because one of the things that I've talked to my daughter about, who's a freshman cross-country runner, is the importance of getting her warm-up pants on and not, not going out running cold. Like, you know, if you did that and Coach Covey saw it, he'd be all over you because yeah. you were adamant about us, you know, taking our pants and, you know, warming up, getting our legs warm and doing our drills and all that type of stuff. All that came from my father, High Covey, at Ames High School in mm-hmm. Ames, Iowa. Yeah. yeah, and it is important. And so you went on to uh, run scholarship uh, for uh, Kansas? Yes, I ran the University of Kansas, and uh, I guess probably... Um, the one uh, quick way of describing my career at Kansas was being injured. Mm. <laughs> and uh, it was just one of those unfortunate things that uh, we uh, had a coach, his name was Bill Easton, who was a very good coach. He 
we won two national championships while I was at Kansas uh, out in outdoor track. And uh, uh, but I really didn't help the team that much because I was always uh, I injured my left foot indoors as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. And uh, from that point on, I had the recurring uh, left uh, plantar fascia mm. tear that kept recurring, re- recurring, and recurring. It was a uh, it, it didn't help my career at all as a runner, mm-hmm. but I was glad to be a part of the, the Jayhawk track team because those other guys went on, and uh, we had people on the team like Al Order, who was Olympic discus champion, Cliff Cushman, who was a silver medalist in Olympic Games in the 400-meter hurdles at, at Rome. Uh, we had Bill Nieder, who was Olympic champion in the shot put uh, at, uh, in, in Australia. Um, and we had a number of athletes besides that that were – Outstanding. Um, Bill Dotson was one of my roommates in college that uh, was a national champion. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and and you said Billy Mills was on your team. Yes, Billy Mills was on One of the greatest yeah. American distance runners ever. That's right. And he was, and I think I'd have to use him as a, a great example of how uh, a young man with nothing mm-hmm. uh, can succeed in track and field uh, with the proper work and some good luck because he didn't ever have an injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, But he was very, very uh, astute in how he had to be able to develop. But he really didn't develop into Olympic champion until after he graduated from the University of Kansas. He went to the, the Marine Corps mm-hmm. and uh, had a coach assigned to him named Tommy Thompson. And um, through t- this young coach, uh, Billy learned once again they he could have fun as an athlete mm-hmm. and at kansas i think he was felt too personally responsible for how he was going to be able to score for the for the jayhawks okay but after kansas he actually relearned uh how to just enjoy running mm-hmm. and uh i know at the we were sitting together at the olympic trials in los angeles uh after he'd made the olympic team to go to run at tokyo and he said, I'm going to surprise some people in Tokyo. I mm-hmm. said, I know you can do it, Billy. And in my heart, I sort of doubted what he was saying, but mm-hmm. he was so certain. Mm-hmm. And so I was very interested to, to watch him on television when he did win the Olympic Games gold medal in the 10,000. He's the only American ever to have done that. Oh, really? And mm-hmm. um, uh, broke the Olympic record. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, a, I think, a a threshold experience for me to see an athlete who was very good, but not at that level, who suddenly de- uh, improved by t- over two minutes in a race like the 10,000 meters. And he beat uh, uh, Ron Clark of Australia, who held the world record. Gamudi was his last name from Tunisia, who was, uh, was one of the favorites to win besides Clark. And uh, Billy outkicked him in the last 150 yards. Of the of the race to win at Tokyo, and uh, and from that moment on, he uh, he went around uh, and spoke to young people, and raised money for uh, uh, scholarships for young people, mm-hmm. mostly I'd say Native Americans, uh, and he wound up giving something like sixty five million dollars into Native American scholarships by in his uh, lectures all over the world. Uh, He's an extremely uh, caring man, mm-hmm. and uh, 
and he had an opportunity to do something really good for for people, and he did. Hmm. Well, you that was quite a stage set for your career then, because you went from your father's, who you said had over 30 uh, district championships in track, mm, and yeah. went on to Kansas, and all those people that went on to the Olympic Games and to run at a very high level. And then you went to Oregon uh, yeah. to work with Sam Bell, who was uh, 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 basically in the same generation of Bill Bowerman. Yes. In fact, uh, I was I did my master's degree work at Oregon State, and thanks to Sam Bell getting me a financial aid. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just spent one year there. But while I was there, we beat uh, Oregon uh, four times. Oh, really? And uh, <laughs> and uh, and the year before I got there, uh, the Beavers, Oregon State Beavers, won the national uh, cross country championships. And uh, Sam was really the the heartbeat of that track program uh, while he was there. And then he went to University of California for four or five years. Mm-hmm. And then he went on to University of uh, Indiana and spent the last 29 years of his coaching career at Indiana University. Okay. And was successful everywhere he went. Um, and he was successful because he cared mm-hmm. to do the right thing and not overworking anybody, and but working them correctly. Mm-hmm. I should say, if you looked at one of his workouts, you say, how could, you, how could I ever say that he didn't wor- overwork anybody? Well, Sam was a very caring person. He was he he knew where an athlete was in his development, and if you could do this amount of work, uh, he would make sure you you were heading that way. And if you started to show any signs of of failure or fatigue, he would take you off the workout and uh, and mark where you were. And then the next time they had a, a workout, he'd make sure you would try to go from there instead of trying to do the same thing that maybe a more capable athlete had done in that previous workout. Do you think that was uh, a little bit more uh, a historic approach to coaching distance runners? Because I was just reading an article written on Bowerman. Uh, the article was from 1986, and it, and it talked about Bowerman uh, customizing volume for the runner, and he said uh, the article said that some of the runners that ran uh, sub four miles, they, their mileage range base could be from forty to a hundred miles a week, and he he would really look at the individual instead of mm-hmm. just saying everybody's just going to do this. Yeah, I think probably Sam Bell and Bill Barman were at the top of the level of all the uh, distance running coaches mm-hmm. in that era, and. Uh, uh, I know that uh, I, um, I applied for a job at Eugene North High School when I was graduating from Oregon State with a master's degree. And the last question was, do you think you can coach in the Bill Marwin mode? And, I, of course, I made the mistake of being honest. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, well, you know, when I was at Kansas, you know, we at KU won the national championship twice, beating the Ducks. And this year at Oregon State, uh, Sam Bell's Beavers beat the Ducks four times, <laughs> so there are other good coaches around. Right, and uh, I didn't get any more invitations to come uh, <laughs> uh, talk to uh, Oregon University or you know or any, or North High School in Eugene yeah. about uh, working there. But uh, it, it was, Sam was an extremely uh, fine coach for his era, with very little money to work with. Mm-hmm. He uh, he would get his athletes uh, jobs at five o'clock in the morning cleaning out classrooms. And that was most of their scholarship money. Wow. And so it was really a very unusual situation, I thought. And you were there one year? One year, yes. And then you uh, came to Bakersville College, correct? Yeah, then I got the offer to uh, 
teach and coach at Bakersfield College, and I didn't know what a, really anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I was was I was able to fly down and interview for the job, and uh, interviewed Gil Bishop, the athletic director at the time at BC, and and Ed Simons is the president. Ed Simonson offered me the job, and and I took it because uh, I really needed a job at that time. I hadn't mm-hmm. hadn't you know I'd been in college now for five six years six years actually. And so I was uh, very fortunate, I think, to get started at Bakersfield College, and I fell in love with Bakersfield College. Mm-hmm. I, I really did. It was a, a school like I'd never seen before, with really a heavy emphasis on athletes who were wanting to go to University of California or wanting to go to Stanford, mm-hmm. and uh, and were being uh, individually treated uh, to the kinds of classes at BC that would get them into the schools they wanted to go to. And, uh, and I was very, very impressed with that, with that effort. How many years were you there total? At Bakersville College? Yeah. 42. 42 years. Yeah, it was, uh, and, and, and I, we were talking about this at, uh, coffee this morning, uh, as I went around in my career at different places, I, one of the stops was, uh, U.S. Olympic Training Center. Uh, I was there, doing sports psychology for USA Track and Field Elite Development in one of their summer camps. And I mentioned that I was from Bakersfield College, and I, I ran for Bob Covey, and the, the room lit up because it has a it, it ended up having a global reputation. It was really uh, a legendary program that saw some very large track meets there back in the day. As, as you mentioned, they were one of the first stadiums in the country to have an artificial surface track. Yeah, well, we, we put in a new track uh, in 1955, I think it was, and uh, and uh, before I was here, and in 19, oh gosh, I'm guessing now about 1964 or five, they put in a urethane track uh, to copy uh, what was being done in other places. Mm-hmm. And then they became, uh, because of Gil Bishop's uh, direction, and uh, Cap Harrelson, who was the director of, of, of high school physical education and athletics. Uh, between Harrelson and Bishop, uh, uh, we, we were able to attract really top-line national-level track meets for a number of years. Mm-hmm. We put on more national meets than any other city in the United States over the next 10 or 15 years, and uh, it, they really worked out very well. We had Jim Ryan ran the world record in the mile, uh, ran 351.1, and uh, Marty LaCorey, who was a high schooler at that year in 19, uh, oh heck, I'm not remembering the, da- the, the date, uh, but 1965 or 6, uh, LaCorey was a high school senior and he ran a, a sub four minute mile for the first time for a high schooler. Wow. Uh, and uh, and Prefontaine ran at Bakersfield yeah, College as well, pre- right? Pre- he ran a number of, uh, of uh, American records. At uh, at Bakersfield College. Oh, really? Yes. Set, set American records. Yeah. What was Prefontaine like? Well, I really didn't know him that well, but I liked him. He mm-hmm. was a very uh, he was into you know into himself and running and sure a very nice person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I didn't get to know him like I knew some of the other people, mm-hmm. but uh, he came down. I think he ran probably four or five races at uh, Memorial Stadium track and at, at over the, a five or six year period. Mm-hmm. And it was extremely successful. Mm-hmm. So when you came down from Oregon, uh, one of the people to follow you was Norm Hoffman, who was one of my mentors, and I named my son after him. And he was friends with Prefontaine. Yes, Norm was teaching at 
at a high school in Southern Oregon at the time, and and one day I walked into the office, and Gil Bishop said, "Well, we're we need a health education teacher. If you know anybody that would also be able to help you coach, let me know." Well, the first person I thought of was Norm Hoffman, mm -hmm. so I called Norm, and he applied and got the job, mm -hmm. and uh, very, very intellectual, very uh, high achieving person. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, just really a fine person. Yeah, yeah. And Norm stayed there a number of years as well. Yes, decades, he did. Yeah. Decades. Yes. So uh, looking back at, uh, you know, ancient Greece on forward, you know, what, what are the values that you've learned um, through running about life? Well, you know, through that type of exercise, running, uh, there's no shortcuts you can take. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a any single idea about what track and field can do to a young man or a woman mm -hmm. is they learn quickly that there's certain ways of doing things correctly. And if they get a bad coach, uh, their level of opportunity to have injuries is elevated quite a bit, and their chance of success is reduced quite a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so the the coach, the individual coach of the individual athlete is extremely important in the development of young kids and um, at every level, mm -hmm. starting whenever they, they, they want to start. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's no, there's no question about that. that uh, uh, I know of young people who've started out with uh, somebody who overworked them and they'd get develop injuries that many of these young athletes never overcame the injuries they had Mm -hmm. uh, when they were young, and uh, and on other people, um, when they had people like uh, Norm Hoffman coming up, uh, Norm learned how to under Sam Bell learned how to uh, train properly. He was a national champion, had the fastest time in the world one year mm -hmm. in the half mile, and uh, uh, but he also ran into an injury situation uh, right. at the wrong time when he was going to try to make the Olympic team. And uh, it's it's a sad commentary what can happen, but that's just that happens in athletics when you when you have to go right to the edge of your abilities. Right. You sometimes uh, will go too far, uh, unbeknownst or unpredictable uh, situations like that happen. And uh, uh, and Norm was really one of the great athletes I'd ever seen. Hmm. And you have seen some very elite athletes, because I need to mention that you were an Olympic development coach as well with uh, USA Track and Field. You were an Olympic official at uh, how many Olympic Games? Oh, yeah. I can't remember. Uh, uh, three. I oh, think, really? Three Olympic Games, yeah. Okay. And my, fir my first one was Los Angeles, and uh, um, my memory is not holding up, but the LA Olympic Games were in 1970. 84? Yeah, maybe 84. 84, 84 yeah. 84, okay. 84 yeah. games, right. And, uh, yeah, I was official on the track there, and and I also was an administrator in 96 at the uh, Atlanta Olympic Games. Mm -hmm. um, so I was very fortunate to be involved in, at that level. Then you also traveled with the Olympic team uh, at times, didn't you? Didn't you go over to Europe or some for some development activities, I think? No, I, I was I was with... Um, I got on a committee work that helped to organize some some of the teams that went to Europe. Okay. I, I was with a juniors team that went to Lisbon, Portugal. I was led. I was a team leader of that team to Lisbon, Portugal, mm -hmm. uh, for a, for the uh, an international meet in Lisbon. 
Uh, so I had some really nice experiences and met some very nice. That was a juniors program. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I was very fortunate to to do some of the things I did, and uh, and I, I'm not sure I was worthy of those things, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, one of the things I've held on to over the years, and I I still do, uh, is the drills that you taught me, along with one of your teammates from Kansas, Stan Ingram, mm -hmm. and I learned those drills from him in high school in the 70s and then when I went on to college in the 90s we were still doing the the skipping the development drills uh, the warm proper warm-ups proper cool downs and I've I've noticed um, a lot of coaches don't teach those drills the same way or at all anymore and so how do you what have you seen in distance coaching over the years and how has it changed you know I haven't really been involved uh, for the last 15 or years or so with the uh, with the international uh, movement in American track and field. But um, uh, coaches who will copy uh, our best athletes at the world level uh, seldom make a mistake if they do that. If they find a coach who says that's not necessary and do this instead, I think that can be a mistake, mm -hmm. but uh, so I couldn't tell you. Uh, and I can make a generality. I think the USA track and field has always been very good at at using coaches who had success uh, uh, with their athletes mm -hmm. and using them as as teachers of uh, of young coaches. So I'm I'm hoping that still continues, but it seems to be because our track teams are our U.S. track teams are still very strong. Mm -hmm. I see. Uh, a Things have changed a lot in 15 or 20 years in terms of year-round sports and uh, athletes not doing multiple sports and developing in different ways where they sports specialize very, very early. And I think that has had a big impact on injury rates. And I know in running, you know, there are now uh, track running, you know, programs for kids that are 8 or 9 or 10 years old and are doing high volume. What do you think about... Uh, volume for children and in proper development so they don't get burned out or injured and when should they start running oh you know i don't know uh, i'm not a big fan of heavy volume training when you're under say age 14 or 15 i think about the time you get to be 14 or 15 you start to i think develop the strength mm -hmm. that you can handle mm -hmm. uh, some more more volume than you could previously but i think a coach who uh, uses uh, a senior uh, international runner as an example for training, and uh, to say youngsters who are under age twelve, right? I think is making a mistake. Right. You've got to you got to tone it down to to that age level, that strength level, and also to um, the fact that uh, uh, young young children can get burnt out, mm -hmm. uh, which means they. To me, burnout is basically emotionally uh, drained uh, from the effort of trying to stay um, at a level uh, with older athletes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a mistake. I think we should try to just make it fun for, for the athletes to, so, they, so they get to a certain level, and as they get older, they, they add volume to their work. Mm -hmm. You mentioned something you learned from Sam Bell about you know, enjoying the running and the and the and the training, and I think that's that's one of the things I did pick up from you running for you. And then when I went on to do coaching, I noticed uh, at the end of the season, my my runners were um, 
they were almost sad the season was over. And when I looked around at other teams, they were glad the season was over. Mm -hmm. So I think I must have taken some of that on with me because they they had a really good experience. And I, I suppose I could have pushed them harder and, and raised the chance for entry. But looking back, I think they'll have really fond memories of the experience and they got something out of it beyond just running. You're, that That's a good statement to make. I think um, a young person may uh, be under-trained uh, but when it's all over, he'll look forward to, he or she will look mm -hmm. forward to a continuation of the kind of training they did. Um, if you're overtrained, uh, they're very happy the season's over. Uh, they're tired, they're aching, they're hurting, mm -hmm. and they, they don't look forward to, to starting up again the next year. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, what you just, how you just described your experience of keeping uh, the level of training at, at a certain uh in a, in, in a control level, in a control area, is very important for the development of, of young people. How do you think the times stack up uh, currently with, uh, let's say, just high school running versus, um, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago? They seem to be, I mean, there's still some fast runners out there that can turn a, you know, a high 14, three mile. But in general, I've looked at my times in high school when I was, I think, 12th in the league. So when I was pretty decent but not winning any races and and i could be in the top three in some of the races today so do you think the kids are getting a little slower or do you think they're still as fast i don't know you know i i can't respond intellectually to your question because i haven't really looked at the, the times of young people mm -hmm. and how they're where they are right now in their development mm -hmm. but again i'll i'll repeat uh I think a coach who undertrains an athlete who's under, say, under 14 or uh, under 15 is going to get more out of his athlete. You, you don't, he, he's not going to be at his best until he's, say, in the uh, 18 to 25-year level, you right. know, age level. And, uh, and so training him for that next year he'll be older and you can take more training is a very good idea, not, and not overworking him too early. Mm -hmm. uh, so he feels, hey, this is fun. I enjoy this. I had some success. I beat Johnny Jones and Billy Smith, and mm -hmm. and uh, next year uh, I'll have a chance to maybe do it again. And I also I am very interested in having them have different experiences as young people, uh, playing basketball, uh, playing tennis, uh, playing golf, mm -hmm. you know, things they, they just can enjoy being outside and, and doing things. Uh, so I'm not uh, – I, I – I really advocate uh, young, say, fathers of young children to say, let's learn different sports and enjoy what you're doing. And because as you get older, you'll get to a point where uh, your the strength and of your tendons and ligaments and and bone structure and muscles mm -hmm. will be able to handle the kind of work you're going to have to take to be able to be at the international level. Mm -hmm. Well, I must say, I'm still running. And I, uh, I, I thought of what you said about Sam Bell and him teaching you to enjoy running because I, I think I probably enjoy running more now than I did when I was younger. But I, as I've gotten older, I've, I've, I kept reflecting back to the, the, the lessons that I learned from you and Stan Ingram about you know running tall with good posture, running soft, and doing the proper drills and warm-ups and cool-downs and all that thing. And I think it's at 58 years old, that's, that's kept me out there going. And I don't, I don't really have any injury issues with running mm -hmm. for the most part. You know? 
Well, you probably knew this, that Stan and I were on the same Kansas track team together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, so we, we came up uh, under a Bill Easton uh, type of uh, regimen. And Bill Easton was, uh, was I thought, of a young, was as a young coach and as an older coach, um, uh, didn't develop his athletes as well as he could have mm -hmm. in hindsight, mm -hmm. uh, whereas Sam Bell was able to take his athletes and actually got much more uh, functional superiority out of their their races mm -hmm. than did uh, than did Bill Easton. Mm -hmm. uh, and and for instance, take Billy Mills for instance. Billy Mills went to Kansas and wasn't terribly successful until he got out of Kansas and went in the Marines and was, was being coached by Tommy Thompson. Mm -hmm. And suddenly his love for running returned. Hmm. And uh, we sat together at the Olympic trials in Los Angeles, and he says, I'm going to surprise some people in Tokyo. I said, Billy, I know you can do it. Yeah. In my heart, I said, he's got a long way to go. But he knew where he was, and he knew he could do it. Right. And he did it. Did Billy grow up running? Uh, I don't know that he grew up running. I know he, grew, he ran in high school at the high okay. school level, mm -hmm. uh, at uh, and he, at Lawrence High. At uh, uh, he actually went to a, a, a Indian school in Lawrence, Kansas. Um, I'm not sure. I know he ran. He was a state mile champion as a senior. Mm -hmm. um, but then, as he got into Kansas, he he was very successful in a lot of ways. But he didn't ever win any major big races. Big major major races, I should say. Uh, until he got uh, away from Kansas, and he got different coaching. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't want to blame Bill Easton for that because Bill had some outstanding ath uh, athletes. Uh, Wes Santee was the best sure. up to that time. And uh, uh, but uh, you know, Billy was. I think every athlete, the individual thing, uh, aspect of individuality is extremely interesting to try to. Um, isolate and analyze. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you're talking about how coach works with an athlete, um, you can't ever say that the coach was not good for that athlete because Billy won some big major races, major right. races right. at Kansas, but he didn't run nearly as fast as he did until he got out out of Kansas in a way. And he he told me he says my love for running has returned. And that's a lot of it, I think. Yeah. Uh, are you into it or not? Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of love of running and just that uh, arete, if you will, the striving for excellence coming out of ancient Greece, you had the opportunity to go to Greece and, and see and study the history of running. What, what's that like to go back and see where it all started? Well, you don't learn much except you see where they ran. Mm -hmm. You can see uh, ancient Olympia, which I would recommend anybody who's interested in the history of running mm -hmm. go back and see ancient Olympia and uh, uh, but it's really a, I think a, uh, we've gone through a history of uh, uh, that if you look into it we can find that uh, you know women were competing with men before 1500 uh, BC and afterwards they were not mm -hmm. and so uh, men kept competing by themselves uh, partly because they uh, in the Olympic Games uh, about the third or fourth Olympiad, uh, and Olympiad is every four years, uh, a winner of a race lost his shorts. And from that time on, the ancient Olympic game fathers decided, well, everybody should not run with shorts. So 
you you can run nude. <laughs> and um, and so that's when women were not permitted to come to Olympic Games anymore. Mm. And uh, uh, so uh, and the punishment if they sneaked in looking like a, a man or boy, uh, the punishment was death. But we have no records that there were ever uh, any woman was killed for sneaking in and watching, mm. say, her son run a race or wrestle or mm -hmm. uh you know whatever mm -hmm. so you know it's 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 extremely interesting the history of 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 olympiad of the olympic games at olympia at uh, ancient olympia and it was very interesting to to also see the development of track and field in the say uh after the olympic games folded Mm -hmm. and uh, did, we're no longer held. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll put on my classical PE hat just for a moment because that's my real specialty, and, and if you look at classical physical education, it often emphasizes survival skills and running and jumping and pulling and pushing, and uh, running is one of those survival skills. If you see a disaster or some kind of catastrophe, people are often running, right? So I think uh, one of the points I'd like to make is even if you're not a distance runner in high school or college running is a good skill to learn as a child and just from a developmental standpoint and the proper form proper technique i think uh it, it's good to know how to run even if you don't want to run you should be able to run at least a few yards to get out of danger if nothing mm -hmm. else so uh, that's a good that's a good statement i think a lot of people don't uh they don't see the value of running past sports but they're i think that should be taught to, to younger children and, and properly and, and just from a survival standpoint, if nothing else. I would agree. Yeah. Well, Coach, you have anything else to say about uh, your, your career in running and coaching? And Well, if I were young and could do it again, I'd do the same thing. That's a, that's and, a good uh, reflection. And I would uh, – and I never – I had a, a few opportunities to go to a university to work, and I didn't take them because I enjoyed um, the um, – objectives of uh, of the community college system in California. Mm -hmm. uh, I really did enjoy the fact that uh, wasn't uh, we didn't have to worry about uh, financing uh, scholarships for athletes. Right. And uh, the fact that we had young people there uh, because many of them had to be there because they could, they could afford, they could not afford to go to, say, Stanford or Cal uh, or Fresno State right out of high school. But um, I really did enjoy... Uh, that position it fit me very nicely, and I would do it again. Yeah, I uh, even at Bakersfield College, I remember you know a lot of us had like no money, right? And you you were able to get uh, a shoe sponsors, and uh, we we got to go to Burger King before races for free because you knew the owner. And I got to tell you a funny story. I don't know if I ever told you this because I was I was adamant like an anti uh, fast food guy, but I ran my fastest 5K PR ever after we went to Burger King. We <laughs> And we went down to Santa Monica, and I turned my PR. So That's good. That's good to know. There you go. All right. Well, we're going to do uh, another just short piece um, here in a moment, just on, just on Bakersfield College, because I'd like to capture that as well. But um, this was a nice overview of, of just your history and running with your father and Sam Bell and, and all the wonderful things you've seen around the world through running. So thanks for being on the show and helping us out today. Thank you, Ron. You've been listening to Lean Braze Radio Show at theleanbraze.com. <laughs>